Strap on the boots and scrape up the knuckles. Oh, what a hit! He got jacked. This is the Big Red Rage. Presented by Santan Ford and Gilbert. Murray's going to score. Touchdown. Slammed to the ground by Buda Baker. Like a torpedo, he came flying into the backfield. <laughs> the Rage is brought to you by Santan Ford and Gilbert. Right on the price. Right on the corner of the Santan 202 Freeway in Val Vista. SeatGeek, your ticket to great seats. And by Arizona Cardinals Podcasts. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcast. The Red Sea is rising up. Temperature rising. Vision blurring. Rage taking over. Here's Paul Calvisi. I'm ready. I'm 100% ready. I'm telling you I'm ready. And Ron Wolfley. It doesn't get any better than that. Unleash the fury. All right, Red Sea, here we go. Don't be late coming off the ball. That is your cue. Let's hear you here at Trophy in Chandler on Queen Creek Road between Price and Dobson. You know what was trending all afternoon, Wolf? What was that, Paulie? On social media. Don't act like you don't know. <laughs> okay, I don't know, but okay. I'll uh, play along. Somebody needs to check Wolf's cup over there because it was Thirsty Thursdays. That's what was trending on social media. <laughs> What are you talking about? I'm just bringing that up because, uh, you know. I can smell it from here. You can, yeah. You can smell what, Will? All right. We'll get to Will's intro here in a moment. Uh, just to finish the thought, okay, after a bye week, who's thirsty for some football? That's my oh, question. Oh, I got gotcha. you. All right. Yeah, I'm thirsty, Paul. Thanks, Wolf, for playing along. Appreciate it over there. How about there. that? The blood sport. Let's go. It is the big man edition of the Big Red Rage, and I know everyone finds this as a uh, shocking news, but Paulie Pencilneck has never played offensive line at any level of football. So uh, we brought in a real serious offensive lineman here tonight, Wolf, to be an expert on the topic. Yes, exactly. How about it, everyone? Will Hernandez, oh. your starting right guard. Will! In fact, he has started every single game he has played for the Arizona Cardinals, and here he is. We got the next hour. We got questions. We wa- But first off, how do you feel coming off the bye? You a little re-energized? How'd it go? Oh, yeah. I, I'm definitely feeling like the Energizer Bunny right now. Ready to roll. <laughs> um, you know, got the guys got... We all we got the guys back together. Um, you know, the camaraderie is one of the best parts of the offseason. You don't realize how much you miss it until you're away from these guys uh, for at least a couple of days. And then all of a sudden you start missing them. So it's good to be back <laughs> with these good. guys. Yeah, well, go ahead and move that mic a little bit closer to your mouth if you can possibly do that right here. You're actually going to go hang out, are you not? With the offensive lineman after the Big Red Rage here, correct? Yes. yes. Uh, Thursdays is our official offensive line dinners. So uh, we all get together at uh, DJ Humphrey's house. And then he has his chef cook for us, you know, big timer. And, uh, yeah, we just hang out for a little bit, watch the Thursday night football game. And, uh, yeah. This is what is so amazing about this, Paulie, to me right there. Back when I was playing. When I first came into the league in 1985, man, I can't even believe it was that long. 1985. That's exactly what the offensive line did every Thursday night as well. They all got together, the offensive linemen, even then, and they'd been doing that for decades. Yes. Isn't that unbelievable? That has been passed down. No, it's awesome, and it's actually kind of become a little bit of a lost art. Um, not as many teams do it. Um, you know, when I know when Is I was in right? New York, we didn't really do it. And uh, when I came here, I, f- I quickly realized that that was like 
the norm here. Like the gut that we had so many older offensive linemen here, ten plus year vets, and they made sure they they made they left that behind. Wow. Yeah. That's so cool. I just want to know how much food is consumed at, at one of these dinners. Like if the chef comes in and there's ten of you, he's really cooking for like two dozen. I, I honestly, right? Let's just say this: when we're done eating dinner on Thursday night, yeah. he is already preparing and starting to prepare the next meal for the next <laughs> Thursday night. <laughs> That's Boy, good. Uh, okay, you know, speaking of that, you know what's coming, Paulie. Speaking uh, of that. Wolf, Wolf, Wolf. <laughs> I'm just saying. Thou shalt not ask an <laughs> offensive lineman the following question, it, but you're going to do it anyway. It's okay. Will and I have an understanding. He knows what I like him at. <laughs> All right, so I'm going to ask him. Will, what's your weight at right now? Um, you know what? It's going to be around the 340, 45 range. Okay. Mm. When? And after this O-line dinner, okay. it might not be so accurate. <laughs> you know? Because I like Will at about 350. That's what I tell him all the time. It's interesting, Will, because see here on the official flip card, you're listed as 332. So uh, <laughs> That was before O-line dinner. <laughs> I see. Yeah. Okay. I got you. Just thought I'd throw that out I there. love that, man. Oh, my goodness. All right, look. Here's the head coach, Jonathan Gannon, on the, uh, well, we'll call it the much-needed bye week, considering the Cardinals had the latest bye week possible on the NFL schedule. We've been at it for a long time. So, um, you know, I, I know they uh, had a little pep in their step. They needed the break, and it was it was obviously later than normal. Um, but pros and cons of having your break where it's at right now. But uh, got some guys healthy, hopefully turning the corner a couple guys. i tell you what, if once upon a time grandma got run over by a reindeer, the Steelers got run over by the Cardinals' rush game, did they not? Big time. I mean, 38 carries, a buck 50 on the ground. That's almost four yards a carry. James Connors out there with 120 yards on the ground, his homecoming. How good did that feel as a send-off into the bye week? That game and just the manner in which you guys won the game. Oh, no, it was awesome. Um, that's exactly when you want to have you know, your best game. You want to play very well and win the game going into a bye week. Uh, you can ride that along, and uh, you know it's 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 a it's a great feeling throughout that whole time. Some you can enjoy the entire uh, bye week. And Paulie, you know how I feel on this too. You know th- this is what you had to be capable of doing. One of the reasons why it's so important that Kyler Murray plays under center, in my opinion, from time to time, and is capable of playing under center, for, is exactly for the reason near the end of that game yep. that you wanted. You wanted to you wanted to ice that game, Paul. You wanted to seal the deal. How are you going to do that? You're going to go ahead. You're going to get James Conner's toes at seven. You're going to let him attack the line of scrimmage, and you're going to run the ball. You're going to hammer the ball, and that's exactly what they did to finish that game. Got to be capable of doing everything yeah. and anything, right? No, yeah, I, I completely agree. I think you know having Kyler under center is only going to set him. Up for success. I agree. It's going to make his job and what he already does very well a lot easier for him to do. Yes. So, uh, you know, when we get the run game going, those linebackers get nosy. You know, we start seeing a little bit, you know, less, you know, blitz. You know, we got guys coming off the edge and not as often, and it's just a lot easier for him to make these throws that he's capable of making even, you know, if they make it hard for him. But why not make it easier on yourself? And, yes. And, you know, why not, you know, give James Conner to – the ball as much as we did that game and uh you know everybody eats at with that formula everybody eats that's right you know it was interesting jonathan gannon told the media after that game that him and drew petzing talked and and he said you know what there's nothing wrong with repeating a play 
if it's working, yeah, go back to it without divulging exactly maybe what play it was. Did you guys have a go-to? Was there a consistent run play that you know you just kept coming back to and having success with at Pittsburgh? Yeah, I mean we kept you know doing a lot of pin and pulls. We would just change the direction that we were doing, and you know we um, we get one off the left side, couldn't stop it. Come back on on the right other hash, take it to the right. Uh, we would run up right through the middle too with James Conner. You know that's something that he does very well. Uh, a lot of gap scheme, and but mainly we were doing a lot of pin and pull and a lot of uh, wide zone, which is getting him running and and giving James the ball and letting him do what he does. See, that's the beautiful thing about it. If you can execute, it doesn't matter. They they can know that it's coming. Yeah, they can know that it's coming. Stop it, because we're going to execute. Exactly. We're going to get a bunch of guys, butt guts, no offense, butt <laughs> guts. We're going to get these guys to come off the ball at the point of attack and do it with a dark heart, man. Come off the ball and you try to stop it. This is this is where you need to get to, where you're just out executing. Even when they know it's coming, they can't stop it. I tell you what, I'm still waiting for the name Cam Hayward to be called. I haven't heard his name called ever since that game started. I'll, I'll be honest with you. Uh, let's go to Drew Petzing talking about the O-line as a unit and how they have progressed this year. They've done a really nice job. It's not an easy job, especially in this division with some of the fronts that we've had to play. They've played some really good players, but I think they've done a really nice job. The effort, the continuing to compete. You saw the way that they finished the game. I think it was, what, 12, 14 straight runs there to end the game. Uh, just the attitude and the mentality that they play with, I think that's something that they've really done a nice job of embracing collectively and continuing to build as we move through the season. And we'll get into the Niners here in a little bit, but just... For everyone, like yours truly, he's never played O-line. We always hear the media cliche about chemistry and consistency and continuity up front. I mean, true or false, is that a real thing among the five starting offensive linemen? Yes, absolutely. Um, you know, I've always tried to explain to people the O-line position or the offensive line is like almost like a gearbox. Like every gear has to turn exactly in a certain way for the next one to work. And, um, you know, we work off of each other. And sometimes... The only thing we need is some time together and some time to learn how we each individually set block guys, you know, how we think about things. You know, we have to get to know each other. And sometimes it's not about spending so much cram time together, but it's just playing some games during a season. Hmm. And uh, it's it's the best way to uh, to get some chemistry going is by actually playing in these live games together. They're called tandem blocks. Anyone listening right now, tandem blocks. I don't know if you still call them that or not, but back when I was around, that's the terminology we used, a tandem block. A center guard was an ace block. A guard tackle was a deuce block. A tackle tight end was a tray block. It literally, that's what it was. Really difficult stuff. Ace, deuce, tray, right? Really difficult. But at the same time, you have to you have to all act as one. Offensive linemen have to act almost as a team in the NBA on the defensive end of the floor where you're all tied to a string, right? Offensive linemen need to do largely the same thing. Yes, exactly. I've always said... Offensive line and, you know, the DBs are very similar. They got to work together 
and the piss of uh, the pieces yes. um, affect one another more than any other position. And then just for everybody that's he- even hearing us right now, we're talking about ace, deuce, trays, singles, doubles, triples. Like it's a whole different language too. I like I bet none none of you guys they, they don't ever talk about them in TV either. Yeah. About all this uh, verbiage and language, it's literally a different language. What that is, we talking? What is your favorite play to run though? Is it is it a power scheme which involves down blocks at the point of attack, double team, pull the uncovered line? What's your favorite? Is it power scheme or zone scheme where everybody comes off in the same direction? I mean, I've always been a huge fan of gap scheme. Gap scheme. Uh, I'm built for it. Uh, You know, I I did it all throughout college. And, you know, it's actually what deflates a defense more than anything when they realize they can't stop you coming right at them. (laughs) Because in the type of formations that we get, they know it's coming. Demoralizing. Yes. I tell you what, that final touchdown run by the Cardinals in Pittsburgh, third and one from the nine. James Conner didn't even get touched till inside the five. And go look who was out in front of that. Will Hernandez. <laughs> Just killing somebody. Hey, Cardinals in focus. A reminder, every Saturday, 630 on 12 News, we continue the big man edition of the Big Red Rage. Will Hernandez, our catch, presented by Santan Ford and Gilbert. Chalk. James Conner, the running back, gets the call. Dives over the top straight ahead into the end zone for the touchdown. In his first game as a visitor in this stadium, James Conner returns to Pittsburgh with a huge touchdown midway through the third to make it 16-3. They hand it off. Conner to the left. First down. Conner dies for the end zone. Touchdown! James Conner with two scores in the welcome back party in Pittsburgh. The Cardinals extend their lead to 23-3 with 8.28 to play. Oh, the Cardinals just broke out the black and blue brigade, baby. Light up and suck the beating heart. Metaphorically speaking, of your opponent, that is a huge possession by this team. A huge fourth quarter by the Cardinals offense, especially running the ball. James Conner had 71 yards rushing in the fourth quarter alone. Beautiful. Think about that. It's the Big Red Rage. Will Hernandez is our big guest here, presented by Santan Ford and Gilbert, live from Trophy and Chandler, located on Queen Creek Road between Price and Dobson. One of the best parts of the game in the win, 24-10 Cardinals in Pittsburgh, was after the game to hear T.J. Watt tell the media, and I quote, we got our... uh, Behinds kicked. We got pummeled today. Mike Tomlin saying that was losing football, just JV football in a lot of ways. Hmm. Pretty gratifying. Uh, So let me ask you this. You always hear another media cliche, right? Wearing down a defense. True or false? Can it happen in a game? Yes, absolutely. And, And what does it take to do that? I mean, in this case, you guys ran it 38 times. Does it necessarily take that many Rushing attempts, I mean, uh, how do you know when you're sort of on the verge of, okay, breaking through? Yeah, and and the reason I say absolutely is because a lot of these guys, especially in the league, will make quote-unquote business decisions after a certain amount of physicality has been imposed and a certain amount of points are on the board. When When they think they can't come back from a game, they can't come back on the scoreboard, and they can't come back on the actual like physicality during the game. It, it's like they, they kind of just shut down a little bit, or they kind of uh, don't rush as hard as they they were in the first quarter. Or you know, all of a sudden, instead of like doing their second or third move on their passing, 
uh, on pass plays, all of a sudden they're just looking for the ball, looking for the ball, and, you know, mm-hmm. little, little things like that. And uh, But you can definitely warm down. I think the biggest way and fastest way to do it is they can't stop the run. Yep. And uh, that's exactly, you know, what these guys did. And that's why, you know, T.J. Watt said what he said, you know, because there's no hiding it. You know, anybody that can watch that game and anybody that did watch that game can see that. So, you know, why not just take Darrow on the forehead like he did? And, um, yeah, and that's exactly what happens and how it happens. As a football player, I just want to say this. I want everyone listening right now to know as a football player, there's nothing more gratifying or rewarding than lining up on the ball and just running the football and jamming it down your opponent's throat. <laughs> it, it, is, it, is, it boosts your morale. It, it, it fires up your defense. They're standing on the sideline watching you eat time off the clock and just hammer the opponent's. There's nothing that is better. There's nothing that is more satisfying on a football field, in my opinion, than lining up and running the ball down the throats of your opponent. It demoralizes them, and it just builds your morale. It's an incredible feeling. Oh, in those situations, the, de- the entire defense is your best friend. Like, they love you. <laughs> oh, yeah, that. right. The they def- love your yeah. defense. You come, you're coming off from the... From the field, they're getting you water. You need a towel. <laughs> what, what, what is it that you need? Good job, man. Nice pat on the back. Let me take your helmet for you. And oh, it yeah, it's fires awesome. them up. Yeah. It does. It's it's the it's the great thing about the game of football. You need to understand if you're listening right now. It is an emotional game. It is, and the emotion is something that is bred by you being more physical than your opponent. So much of the time. Well, if you're trying to assess an offensive line, they don't necessarily have their own stats, but dare I say, all you need to do is look at the run game, and, and Wolf, look at the Cardinals this year. Cardinals are top 10 in the NFL in yards per game. Man. They're top three in yards per carry, 4.7 yards per carry as Love a it. team. And the Cardinals are tied for the number one spot when it comes to explosive runs, 20 or more yards. Think about that. And then think about vital James Conner has been in every one of those categories, right? And here's Paris Johnson Jr., the rookie right tackle, right next to you in that line of scrimmage, uh, talking to the media yesterday. And he was asked just about James Conner and whether a running back like that gives the old line extra juice. Wait, hold on. Did you say he was talking to the media yesterday? Yes. Okay, so every time a rookie talks to the media, especially in the offensive line room, he's getting fined. <laughs> he's getting fined? So I'm glad that you told me that. Well, you're a mean one, Mr. Grinch. I mean, what's going on? What's going on? Not, well, my, not my rules. I just enforce them, so don't shoot the messenger, all right? Wow. Okay, he's getting fined. Do you care to expound on that at all while you're fighting him? Well, the offensive line, each, room, each position group has their own structure of how they have their fine book set up. <laughs> We have fines for everything you can imagine. Some being basic things like when you fall starting the game, that's yeah, a fine. Okay. When you're late to a meeting, that's a fine. You know, yeah. you're basic, do things right, or else you're getting fined. And then we got the fines that the vets make up and that they think are fair. Like, for example, if a rookie talks to the media, that's a fine. <laughs> if a rookie gets his name called out by the head coach or the offensive coordinator in any meeting, that's a fine. You know, um, I, hey, I, I, I had one um, back in my rookie year when some vets asked me to get them Chick-fil-A on Sunday and I couldn't do that because obviously they're closed on Sundays and I got fined for that. 
<laughs> Did you appeal that one? Is there an appeal process? There is an appeal process, and you can't go to court for it. Oh, it's so good. But the court is the same guys who are trying to find you. So what sense does it make in trying to fight anything? Oh, my goodness. So that's good. like a lot of things in life, it's rigged. It's just a rigged process. Yes. I see. That's interesting. Yeah. Okay. It's just a way to beat well, that rookie down, ho- Paul. Hopefully, hopefully Paris doesn't get fined even further uh, after we play his soundbite talking about James Conner. When you're also making your block and you're seeing him down the field and he's throwing like a future Hall of Famer, long-time NFL vet DB, throwing him out of bounds, I'm like, oh, snap. Like, okay, it's like that. You know what I mean? So I think as an offensive lineman, it kind of just gets you excited because, you know, as soon as you, you get him to the next level, you know, the, of the defense and he's gone, he's terrorizing everybody. So it's awesome to have him. Now, is there actually a democratic process in establishing these rules, or is like the OG <laughs> Kelvin Beecham in charge, or is the guy with the most tenure like DJ Humphreys in charge? Uh, like, how does that work exactly? It works strictly by seniority. So yes, Kelvin Beecham has the final say in everything. Um, that's just the way it works. It's, I think it's worked like that since you played too. Yes. Seniority rules. Yes. And um, yeah. So okay. Beecham well, has all to say. You know what I witnessed earlier today? It was Buda Baker and Antonio Hamilton, who's the senior member of the defense, instructing uh, Garrett Williams, uh, Keetrell Clark, and Starling Thomas that there better be a Christmas tree near their lockers tomorrow morning by the time everyone shows up. And, and they're like, well, what do we do? Where do we go? They're like, just figure it out. But it needs to be six foot tall, and it's got to have lights. And so the, the, rookie, fair. Yeah, the rookies have to come up with a Christmas tree by tomorrow morning. They said, if the meeting starts at 630, you better get here at 6 to set up that tree. Yes, I completely agree. <laughs> and you just reminded me that we Paris just got fined this past week also because we asked him to put up the tree, and he was a couple days late with it. So he got fined <laughs> per day. And then finally when he had the tree up with the lights and everything about a couple days ago, he there was no topper. No topper. No topper there's on no the tree. Like star, there's no star. There's no angel. Nothing. He didn't. He didn't put anything up up on there. Paris. So you How do you have a tree? It's inexcusable. Without a topper. That's exactly that, what you, we all said. You've say. got to be. So how much yeah. did you hit him for? Can I ask you? Yeah. So something like that would be around fifty bucks. <laughs> yeah. And uh, you know they pile up at the end of the day. Oh yeah. yeah. There's, there's so many. Of oh them. That's yeah. Why we try to keep it you know, ba- somewhat. I'm sure. Oh my goodness, that's great. So. Let me ask you this. How much of your personality did you get from being raised in Vegas, right? I mean, you know, uh, I mean, a uh, glitz and glamour town like that. You know, I mean, how much of your personality do you think is a byproduct of where you grew up? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think there's much personality that comes from being from Vegas. I think the only time that actually shines is when, whenever we go to the casinos here. Um, you know, but um, other than that, I love vegas i think it's actually a very great city to live in if you take out the the strip and all the casinos and stuff there's actually a lot to do there and it's a pretty nice quality of life there it's similar to phoenix uh it's it's like a third of the size though there's it's it's a valley as well so you know there's mountains and hiking everywhere there's a mountain called mount charleston about 45 minutes out that gets snow every single year Mm. so you want to do anything snow related you got that 45 minutes out and then on the other side of town going east um you got lake mead so you can go hit the lake every single year every every summer and you know obviously you got the nightlife and then it's a big tourist city too so they invest a ton in the streets uh, and you know everything looking nice and pretty so uh great city to live in 
Highly recommend it. So, you know what? We've talked to you about this in the past. We have done that. But I'm going to ask you something I have not asked you. Um, when you were in high school, you know, and you were a senior in high school, you know, with that, that senioritis that's going on, how many times did you guys say, man, let's go down to the strip? Did you guys ever do that? I mean, here and there, especially at that age, you know. Yeah. Yeah, a little bit. But where the real cool spots were at the time was in downtown, which was a little bit older. I got cheaper, you. Uh, you know, yeah, cheaper. Times. So, yeah. Interesting. Okay. Speaking of high school, our Jim Omohundro did a little research. Apparently, you're an alum with other notable guys from Chaparral High School in Las Vegas, such as... Mark Slaughter, the front man of glam metal group <laughs> Slaughter itself, if you remember that. Wolf, I mean, seriously, that's uh, one of your most played Spotify songs Knock this year was ball. Up All Night, that's Sleep All Day. True. Brandon Flowers, uh, front man for The Killers, seven-time Grammy-nominated band. Were you aware there were such luminaries in the musical world uh, from your own high school? I, I was not. Um, you know, big-time big, big time names for sure. And uh, I, I, I did not know that... Um, they attend a chaparral, but it makes sense though because we're one of the oldest high schools in Las Vegas, and uh, you know, just from the little bit that I learned uh, while I was there, that school was actually originally made to be a prison, and when they started building housing around it, it got a little too close, so they ended up just turning it into a school. Are you serious about this? Yes, it was yes. meant to be a prison. Yeah, if you go, it's the only school of its kind. It's a big square. And uh, it looks just like a prison. Like it has like a courtyard and everything in the middle. And uh, it was all the plans were dr- drawn up for it to be a prison. Okay. And they changed their mind last second. And yeah, we, we could probably do it. We could that's probably actually kind of cool. when you think about it. So think about it, Wolf. Right? He grows up in Vegas. He goes to Utah. Yeah. Lives four years in El Paso. Okay. And then gets drafted atop the second round by the New York Giants. New York. Boom! All of a sudden, you're in the Big Apple. And didn't you live downtown? Didn't you live in Manhattan for a while? I lived across the uh, the Hudson on the Jersey side in, like, the Hoboken area. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. But what's what but, sort of culture shock was that, just going to New York? Oh, it was a huge culture shock for me. I had never been uh, on the East Coast my entire life. The furthest east I've been was El Paso, Texas, and that's no the furthest way. west point wow. in Texas. So, uh, um, yeah, it was a big culture shock for me. Uh the people are different. The food's different. But I loved it out there. I, I, I absolutely like, fell in love with the city, um, especially the food. Um, you know, I had to try. Like, like what kind of food? Okay. Now, now that you're going to say food, generally speaking. So, so I had never had Korean food until I went to um, New York. Yeah. And I know they have them in Vegas and yeah. Phoenix and everywhere. But I feel like out there is a different game. <laughs> and... Um, it's just the quality and the people out there. It just I feel like it's so much more authentic. Yeah. Uh, just 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 food wise, you know. Are, are there good Cajun joints in New York City? Well, you know there's everything I mean, is in New York. No, I honestly, you know, the, I mean Cajun I, food. I mean, do you like Cajun the, food? I do, I do. What's and, the best? And actually, that was one of the few spots that like I didn't see a lot of. You didn't see a lot. But of I know they're out there. Well, yes. there you go, Paulie. Yes. You got to be ready too when you order a slice of pizza and some of them like, hey, what do you want? Let's go, right? I, oh, mean, yeah. I mean, it's just all, everyone's so aggressive, right? You got to be ready. You know, they're very blunt and very, you know, like straight to the point, which I actually really like. 
So uh, that's why I think I like this so much out there because, you know, I, I, a lot of these people would talk to me in a certain way and I'd find it kind of funny and, like, you know, what? yeah, all right. It kind of got me in a good mood, you know. How is high school football outside of Las Vegas, Nevada? What What is, I mean, how many guys actually go to Division One schools from Nevada outside of Las Vegas? Do you know? Yeah, very few. I think Reno might be the only one because of UNR. Um, but very, very few. Vegas and Reno, I think, are what the is only UNR? spots. Uh, University of Nevada, Reno. Oh, I got you. Yeah. Okay. Very interesting. Okay. All right. What do you think? Someday you uh, you're gonna go back up to Vegas, and uh, you know, like your post playing days. Where's your forever home gonna be? Post playing days. You know what? Um, I, I as soon as I got out here to Phoenix, I didn't even have to spend three months here to know that I wanted to buy a house out here, and I did. And uh, I can definitely see that Phoenix being my forever, my forever home, uh, especially the, one, the the house that I'm in now. Because I was in New York City for four years, and uh, you know I, had, I was in a two-bedroom apartment the entire time. You know, no backyard, no nothing, and I lived above like a on a building on the third floor of a like high-end Cuban restaurant. So there was always no <laughs> noise outside of my window. And when I came here to Phoenix, the first thing I did was I bought a house with a backyard and a pool. And well done. Nice. Can't go back. Well done. We continue the Big Red Rage with Will Hernandez. Minute 47 to go in the half. The game tied at three apiece. Snap to Murray. Five-step drop. Steps up, throws high over the middle. But what a catch inside the 30-yard line by McBride for a first down at the 27 where he's tackled. But that was an incredible grab. That was a high pass that McBride went up the ladder and pulled in. Snap to Murray, he'll throw. Looks left, fires left in the end zone. It is caught by McBride, and it's a touchdown. Kyler Murray engineers a 99-yard touchdown drive. And the Cardinals take a 9-3 lead in Pittsburgh. Yeah, his confidence is through the roof. You know, he's become a matchup nightmare for um, you know, whoever's on him. You know, if they're going to put a safety on him, it's tough for safety to guard him. Super athletic. Sky's the limit for Trey. How about it? Kyler Murray on his big new weapon, Trey McBride, who, by the way, has a new nickname, courtesy of Calvisi Consulting, the Pauly Pigskin Division. Ron Wolfley, you want to hear his new nickname? Yeah, Pauly, give it to me. Trey McPlay. Okay, we get it. He's top three since week eight in receptions by a tight end in the NFL, receiving yards by a tight end. His name is right up there with Kittle and Kelsey and Hawkinson. I mean, we're talking some luminary stuff right now by Trey McBride, who, by the way, Kyla Murray figured out, you know what, when in doubt, go to Trey McBride because 11 of his 13 completions in Pittsburgh were to the tight end position. Think of the weapon all of a sudden that he has become. I mean, basically, you guys tell me, if he's covered by a linebacker, he's still open, right? Just throw him the dang football at this point. He's so athletic, and he's so good at snatching the ball out of the air. Yeah, you know, for me, Paulie, if he's matched up on a linebacker, for the most part, he's got a speed advantage right there. He's got an agility advantage. He can get separation as he comes up on this linebacker and, boom, breaks it one way or the other, right? He can get that kind of – if he's working against a safety – I think he can still body the guy. You know, he's so big that he can still body the guy. And when he's covered, he's even open. 
it's kind of like with Larry Fitzgerald, right? With Larry. Larry was open when he was covered. Throw him the ball because of his catch radius. Larry was going to bring it down. Trey McBride, a lot of similarities, I think, that are there. I mean, Will, if we had to nominate a most improved guy, Trey McBride, right? Just in terms of the production. Now, whether it's because he's being focused on more and targeted more, I don't know. But, man, look at the way he has grown over the course of this season just in terms of what he's doing for this offense. No, yeah, I absolutely agree. I think he is one of the guys that has improved the most from last year. Um, You know, also talking about the fact that he came from Colorado State, you know, it's not your necessarily top five power conference, you know? Yep. And so... And he was also learning a lot, uh, you know, of the system that we had last year. And then, you know, obviously changing this year. Yep. Mm-hmm. So he had to adapt a lot in a short amount of time. So, But now that he has something stable, now that he's able to learn a certain system and the, there's more continuity and the guys are all kind of the same, he's able to actually show what he can do because sometimes that's all a guy needs is just some consistency to show everything that he can do or get that extra boost of confidence to show everything that that he's capable of. You know, I say this all the time, Paulie, and I'd love to get your your reaction to this, Will, but I say confidence is the currency of competition. Confidence is the currency of competition. Man, if you're a confident dude, you're going to go out there and you're going to buy and sell performances based on your confidence level so much of the time. Now, it's not a guarantee all the time. It is not. But, man, I don't think Trey McBride is ever going to be the same guy. He's never going to be the same guy when he came into this year again. And the confidence that he has gained this season the rest of his career, he's never going to be the same guy, in my opinion, because of the confidence boost he's received. I tell you, it's amazing to watch him on the sideline. There, there are certain players on the sideline that are like ultra intense, and then there are other guys who are more loose and they have a really good time. And they, you know, he's like both at the same time. It's sort of an interesting mix. And he was talking to the media just about showing the emotion the way he does. And then Kyler followed up this week, and here's how it went. I'm just an animated player. I'm an emotional guy. I love this game. And, and when I'm out there, you know, I make a big play. Sometimes I can't control myself. I just freaking geek out. I don't know what the heck. I just go crazy sometimes. So uh, I don't know what goes on in my head sometimes. I just start going crazy. Even Kyler's like, dude, you got to chill out. So, you know, he's telling me in the huddle, like, Trey, come on, man. His celebrations are a little awkward. It's just like, it's like, it's, you know, I think, you know, his swag will get better as he, you know, as he uh, keeps having success. But, yeah, no, nah, you, you know, tight ends, you really don't, you know, you know, you never know what you're getting with them. What is he like in the huddle? Man, you want to talk about swag, you know, swag. He has a swag when you uh, when you mentioned all those stats and all his catches that he had. That's real swag. So it doesn't matter how awkward and how funny his dances are. That's real swag is what he's putting on that stat sheet. Um, no, but he he's definitely exactly how he sounded on that. And retain, like, I don't know, I just geek out sometimes. I just I, I just like to have fun. That's exactly how he is in the locker room, on the field, whenever we see him out and about. He's always just having fun. He's enjoying everything. You can tell he has a different, you know, you know, he has a different angle of seeing life. He he he's, he sees life and he says, "I'm going to enjoy this." And that's just the, the mentality that he has, and uh, you know, it's 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 infectious because a lot of the guys, you know, feed off of that. And even Kyler too, you know, he starts yeah. talking about you know his celebrations and everything. And, and you know, norm, normally uh, Kyler's a little bit of a quiet guy, but he Trey gets him talking. So 
that's it's great. It's great Will, to have him around. Do you guys challenge him though? Do you challenge him in regard to being a true stud tight end? In other words, hey, you got to be able to block just as well as anything else. How many guys actually walk up to him and say, "Hey, Troy, you know," because I I, I got to tell you, when I see him, in like <laughs> when I see him in the lobby of a hotel, you know, I'm Troy. Man, just promise me you're not going to be a pass-catching tight end. <laughs> promise me you're not going to be that guy, that you're going to still work to come off the ball and hammer somebody. Because he's got the ability to do that, does he not? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and I think that's why he was drafted where he was, too, because, you know, he can do it all. And I believe it, too. After playing with the guy for a year and a half, um, almost two years, two seasons, he has the capabilities of doing both and doing them at a high level. And I mean, I'm, th- I'm I'm glad we brought this up right now because when I see him tomorrow at work, I'm gonna tell him I'm gonna be like, you know what, Trey? Uh, he just read off all your stats to me on the radio show, so you're kind of screwed now because you've shown what you can do and what you're capable of. So anything less than this, we're just not gonna accept. Okay, but Will, what, what if you just say, listen, they read off all your stats and it was really mind blowing. How many? You know what I care about, bro? You coming off the ball. You know what? You should say that to him. Wolf Wolf is basically insinuating, don't be a pretty boy. That's basically what Wolf is saying. No, I'm I'm with you, and I think that's pretty much like should be assumed by him when he's talking to us. And I think we've stated it a few times. (laughs) I know Paris has been on him about that, too. And you know what? You just gave me an idea. We might just set up a fine system just for him (laughs) in the tight end. Because, you know, they really work with us a lot. So they're kind of a part of the O-line room. So they have to be a true part of it. And, you know, we might just I mean, we might just come up with a little fine system for him. Every time you come off the ball. If he misses a block, you, you set the amount. You set the dollar amount right now. Tell I me. like it. What Will, you, Will is like paying it. all his bills based on these fines. He's, he's getting in the, in the locker room. Will's, he's he's going to pay off his holiday credit card. We continue with the Big Red Rage. Will Hernandez, all presented by Santan Ford in Gilbert. We got a, a, a good group of guys that's just like great dudes that want to play football. Mm. So it's easy to mingle with the group. It's easy to interject young office alignment into the room and it'd be fun. Oh, man, me and Paris are already clicking, man. Such a cool guy, very smart. We even have our own handshake going on already. Oh, there you no. go. Nice. Already. Like, what is it? Well, I'll give you guys a clue. It's you, We wouldn't call it a handshake. We would call it more of a, a belly shake. So that was from the Wolf and Luke show, like in training camp. So did that ever come to be? Was that just sort of an experiment in camp, Will Hernandez? Or did you guys actually, uh, I don't know, still practice that sort of celebration to this day? I haven't really noticed it, to be honest with you. The whole belly shake. Okay, well, that's disappointing to hear because we do it every single drive. Really? Yes. At the beginning of every single drive, we start off by... And you know we've we've shown it already, but it's it's a it's a one of these, okay. and then we both hit each other's like stomach. We we purposely blow it out, and we both smack each other's stomachs, and it's just kind of like you know like all right, we're ready to roll. Wow. This is you know what this is a, this is exactly what football's all about right now. We got all these people going what what do you guys what do you do? This is you know what it doesn't surprise me in the least. The belly shake is what you do. Well, that's yeah. Look, it's our big man addition to the Big Red Rage presented by Santan Ford and Gilbert. Will Hernandez, starting right guard, is our guest here at Trophy and Chandler, located on Queen Creek Road between Price and Dobson. 
we've learned that Will's paying his mortgage based on fines to uh, Paris Johnson Jr., the sixth pick <laughs> overall. Who can afford it? Let's be honest on that one right there. How has, you know, tell us about Paris real quick. I asked him yesterday, I said, when he was meeting the media and about to get fined, I said, last time you played the Niners, week four. Now it's week 15. How much better are you? And he literally went, oh, like he just reacted viscerally like, oh, I am so much better than I was in September. Agree, Paris? Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, You know, when Paris first came in, obviously he's a stud. You know, he got picked where he got picked. He started playing right away. And he's never, ever not played up to his potential. But for you to say that he got a lot better, that is true. He was already good, but he did get a lot better. And, uh, you know, what was it, like, what, eight weeks, seven weeks since then? And uh, you'd be surprised how much better he's doing and not just in a physical way or anything because he's always physical but like in a in a football iq kind of way he understands things more he understands why he does the things he can already do Mm. so do you actually tell him that do you compliment him or you you know hey rook let's go I do, but not Boston. too much because we don't want to blow his head up too much. You don't want, exactly, <laughs> right? You, you don't want him all of a sudden walking around all, with his head all this big. All of a sudden, he's going to start appealing fines, and you know, we can't have <laughs> That's it. That's right. That's right. Absolutely. Uh, as a rookie, know your spot. Uh, he does know, though, that the Niners come in with the top-rated defense in the league, and here he was talking about just the challenge that comes with playing San Francisco. When you're going against a lot of, you know, top-tier guys, I think it makes you excited. You know, I think you naturally take the step in your game to play that much better to do your job because, you know, this is what you come out of college for to play guys like these. And I think the good thing about them is that they have the depth. Their twos are just like the ones. So I think you're just always playing you know, your best game. It's funny, Wolf. I'll ask Wolf from time to time in the locker room, and he'll roll his eyes at me, and deservedly so. I'll say, you know, tell us about the big challenge this week. It's like, Calvisi, it's every week. It's T.J. Watt last week. It's Aaron Donald the week before. It's Miles Garrett. It's Micah Parsons. Now you get Nick Bosa and a ton of other guys who can play. I mean, it's it literally is almost every week you get a marquee talent to go against, right? Yeah, exactly. Uh, everybody's good in this league. Everybody gets paid for a reason. Every There is no off week or you know i'm gonna take it easy this week or all, all of a sudden they have a stud this week i know every team has their stud and some are better than others but at the end of the day they're all studs you know what's amazing about this 49ers defense in particular they really want to get you in third and obvious pass situations for obvious reasons because they have a great pass rush but man their front seven as you well know will these guys are as good as it gets in the national football league Number one in rushing yards per game allowed. Number seven in rushing yards per play allowed. They've got a very aggressive physical box. You talk about Javon Hargrave, Javon Kinlaw. You've got Eric Armstead, Nick Bosa. You've got Chase Young. Traded for Chase Young. And then, oh, by the way, Randy Gregory's the throw-in. Randy Gregory's the guy who's going to throw him out there. Listen, this is Fred Warner. Oh, my goodness. It's on tape, to me, as good as it gets. What about you, Will? Because I see you <laughs> I see you with a kind of a scowl on your face. Tony Wolf, he doesn't like this line of questioning. As I'm talking about these guys. You, you, know, you know what, Wolf? Uh, if we weren't playing them this week, I would agree with you maybe a little <laughs> bit. But you're dead wrong. Okay. You're dead wrong it. right now. You're I, dead I, wrong dead until wrong. Okay. I got right. you. New question, new topic. <laughs> 
<laughs> on your birthday, you got a wake-up call. Share with everyone what your dad did on your birthday not too long ago, earlier this year, because you posted the video, didn't you, to social media? What exactly yeah. happened? Uh, yeah, yeah. So um, my pops is here right now on uh, for a little bit. Uh, staying here in Phoenix for a few months because, you know, as I mentioned earlier, bought a house last year. I sort of renovated it a little bit this year. My dad's a contractor, so he's been helping me out a lot. And uh, and uh, he's been staying with me. You know, we got a little roommate situation going on. And, uh, yeah, on my birthday, he was there, so he just, you know, um, he he got these these mariachi bands to uh, to come sing for me a little bit. You know, we'll wake up, uh, happy birthday. And, uh, yeah. So yeah. you woke up to a mariachi band yes. in the house. <laughs> yes, it was the best alarm I've ever had. That is great. That's so cool right there. That is, uh, thank you, Dad. I appreciate that. Let me ask you this other big man question somebody submitted. Uh, what's more, what benefits a big man more in the line, of, you know, in the, in the trenches? Uh, the all-white unis or the all-black unis? I'm a huge fan of the black. Um, you know, that's the big boy friendly color there. Okay. And I think all my big guys here can agree with that. You know, black all the time. Black, See, black I, all the I white. like the white. I want it all white. You know why I want it all white? Because I'm going to get some blood on it. <laughs> I love the oh blood. Oh, my goodness. And yes. you knew it was coming, oh, especially yeah. the offensive linemen back in the day. <laughs> Not all of them wore gloves, so they'd get their knuckles all bloody. Oh, they'd yeah. come by and they'd wipe it on me because they knew I wanted it. Go ahead. <laughs> give it to me, man. I, I did have one old lineman tell me, though, the black is more slimming, but in the all-white, you look faster. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I would say probably the red would take that. Red, too. You know, just, okay. like, you, just like um, on the road, you know, you see a red car, you automatically assume it's fast. And then it's partially true because these insurance companies, they up your rate and they up your pricing mm. if you have a red car. Mm. So, okay. I would say the red units yeah. take that one. All right. Will Hernandez, everyone. How about, How about it? With all apologies to Paris Johnson Jr., we got him fine based on the big red rage presented by <laughs> Santan Ford and Gilbert. Special thanks as always, Jim Almondro, Cody Fincher, Walt Ellis, Lawrence Ellis, Ali Narini, for Ron Wolfley on Paul Calvisi. This has been the Big Red Rage presented by Santan Ford in Gilbert. Chaw! You've been listening to the Big Red Rage presented by Santan Ford and Gilbert. Right on the price. Right on the corner of the Santan 202 Freeway in Val Vista. The Rage is brought to you by SeatGeek, your ticket to great seats. And by Arizona Cardinals Podcast. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcast. This has been an exclusive presentation of the Arizona Cardinals Football Club.